Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 4, An Abandoned Interview I'm sorry, madam, they're not here. So you're telling me I've travelled halfway round the world, jet-lagged, sleep-deprived and spirit inferno while we're exactly? All we know is that the gig was cancelled and they've left the venue. I have no other details at this time. Well, the first part of that is painfully obvious, considering that there was no concert, or I could have deduced it from the several thousand angry fans revolting outside. It makes my review of their performance pretty difficult. That aside, I still have a podcast scheduled with the band. I'm sorry, madam, I don't represent them. I just know they're not here. Jordana ran her tongue across her teeth. The muscles tightened around her brow. Even in her exhausted, exasperated state, she wasn't prone to bouts of anger or aggression. She inhaled deeply and released it as a quiet sigh. Okay, Val, is it? The woman nodded. As a person blessed with two working eyes, I have seen quite clearly that the band's tour bus is still parked up. Are you telling me that they aren't currently inside? That's correct, madam. Fair enough. I can only assume, though, that they'll be returning to it at some point in the evening. I can't be certain of that. OK, well, perhaps I have a little more faith in the idea that they will. I'd imagine that they're quite reliant on it. So if you don't mind, and seeing as I've come all this way and invested weeks of effort, I'm just going to hang around outside the bus and wait until they return. I can't let you do that, madam. Jordana was dangerously close to a break in character, a disruption of a perpetual call. What do you mean you can't let me do that? She started waving her collection of lanyards, a wad of VIP and press passes. I have these. These, coupled with an appointment, not to mention several dozen emails confirming it, I am well within my rights to wait for them. I'm sorry, but I've been given clear instructions not to let anyone from the press near the tour buses at this time. Jordana stared at the assistant with a look somewhere between incredulity and utter bafflement. I've been here since five this afternoon. I was told by your people to wait, then to keep waiting. Then I was directed to you, and now you are telling me what exactly? That I'm not even allowed to see if they make an appearance? That's correct. I can only apologise. No, no, you can do more than apologise. You can let me wait outside their bus, or better still, you can tell me where the hell they are. Jordana paused. Get them on the phone, please. I'm sorry, madam. I've tried. They're unreachable. Look, Val, I really do understand that you're just doing your job. What's more, you're doing it well, because caving might be the easiest thing to do in these circumstances. You're doing what you think is best, and that is admirable. Jordana quickly considered the most tactful way to approach her next statement. But I've also got a job to do. Mine involves conducting an interview. Is there really nothing you can do to aid that? I'm sorry, madam, I don't think there is. I have a flight at six in the morning. I'd hoped to get my head down for perhaps an hour or two, but I'm willing to forfeit that privilege to do what I set out to do which involves recording a short podcast with the support act on this bill and then writing a nice, long, favourable article on them. Jordana pursed her lips and shrugged. But if I can't do that, 
What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. Nothing. Jordana twitched in irritation. No, Val. I can assure you that a lot more than nothing is going to happen. Firstly, my boss is going to demand to know what went wrong, and I'll be forced to tell him. This will likely result in a pretty vigorous back and forth between Terracast Media, you know, the largest news outlet on the planet, and everyone involved in making the meeting, which includes your superiors. And I don't want to do this, Val, but I'm going to have to tell them how difficult you were. She could see the woman becoming slightly rattled. You don't need to do that, madam, Val said. They won't be back till late, but I'm certain we can reschedule the appointment. Would you not be able to meet them on the next leg? I can maybe even help facilitate that. You see, that's the problem. I can't. This is the only time I can meet them. But, a small glint appeared in her eye, she raised a finger. You said you didn't know where they were. Are you now telling me that you have reason to believe that they won't be back till later tonight? I... Because if that's true and you do know where they are, perhaps it'd be more prudent to just tell me. I can't do that. Right, so we've established that you were lying earlier. Val twitched. Jordana was now deliberate and forceful. Her boss called her Lily, spelled with an intentional single L. He eventually divulged that it was a reference to Lily of the Valley, a pretty and unassuming flower, which is in fact highly poisonous. Demure for the most part, she could be extremely domineering when she wanted to be. You think you're doing your job by not giving out their location, but I've already stressed by not getting the interview causes all sorts of other issues. She eased off, softening substantially. Just give me an address and I can carry out the interview at whatever dive bar, strip club or casino they've landed at. And you'll be satisfied with that? Jordana smiled. Of course, honey. Val was like bewildered prey now. She looked as though she was tussling with the request. Okay, I'll tell you, but you can't tell anyone else. You especially can't say that it was me who told you. She feigned tone to sincerity. Of course, I promise. Right, well, they've all gone over to Quicksand Exotic Dance in the city. They'll be back at some point, but the driver has been instructed to wait here until tomorrow morning, so I'd guess it'll be a late one. Oh, Val, thank you so much. Jordana headed through the confusion of corridors with a spring in her step. After opening a taxi application on her phone, she lingered her finger over the order button for a moment, the idea of surprising them all at a strip club filled her with some apprehension, and she really did have a flight to catch in a few hours. She considered if it was maybe more sensible to cut her losses. No, she decided. She had an appointment. How mad can the band be if I surprise them? She'd turn on the charm, perhaps they'd even be impressed by her initiative. By the time she'd made her way to the front entrance, her taxi was waiting for her. Where to? asked the driver as she climbed aboard. Quicksand exotic dance, please. She couldn't see the whole of the driver's face in the mirror, but Jordana was sure she sensed judgment from him. A few minutes later, as they were tearing down the highway, this assumption was confirmed. What's a nice young lady like you wanting to head somewhere like that? Just work, she replied simply. At this, the driver glanced back with a frown. You work there? No. Jordana said, lifting a lanyard. I'm a journalist. 
I see. The driver sounded relieved. He was silent for a moment, which Jordana was thankful for, and hoped he would remain so. Just as she started to go over her notes, he piped up again. There's a big story over at the strip club, he asked. Something like that. Well, sweetheart, this is just about the worst place I can think of to be of an evening. So you do me a favour and head straight inside when I drop you off, and you make sure your cab is right there waiting for you before you even think about taking a step outside. Jordana looked up from her notes and regarded the old man for a moment. Her irritation towards him relaxed. Um, yeah, I will. She smiled at him. Thanks. The driver nodded. You Canadian? he asked. Jordana laughed. Yeah, how can you tell? I'm good with accents, he said. Comes from experience. Name's Billy. What's yours? Jordana. Jordana, he repeated in a musical fashion. Nice name. You been over here long? Oh, she looked at her watch. About eight hours, leaving in less than that. Wow, flying visit. When are you supposed to sleep? Well, right about now, I suppose, she sighed. That was the plan anyway. The driver chuckled. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. At this, Jordana noticed a crucifix dangling from the rearview mirror and felt a twinge of disappointment. What if I don't believe in him? She asked with a wry smile. Billy glanced back and beamed at her. I wouldn't think that'd make any difference. To her or your plans. Her, Jordana repeated. That's quite progressive of you. Makes more sense, don't it? Creator of life and all that. I mean, they don't call it father nature. I'm sorry, Billy. I have to disagree. None of that makes sense. If a woman created all this, why would she elect to put men in charge? Well, you're the one in charge right now, aren't you? Making me drive to this nasty-ass part of town. Jordana giggled at this. I'm going to drop you right outside the door. I'll wait until you get in, but don't be long. Billy feigned a shudder. This place gives me the heebie-jeebies. Within a minute or two, Jordana spotted the strip club's red luminous sign. Billy was right. The street was just about as sketchy as Eddie she'd seen, and she'd been to some supremely sketchy places in her time. The fair had already been settled, but she decided to give Billy another twenty for his trouble. That's very kind of you, miss. Now you promise me you'll be careful. I will. Nice to meet you, Billy. She stepped outside. With a smile, she noticed he was indeed waiting for her to enter before heading off. The dull roar of his engine harmonised with her pushing open the front door. The pokey reception area was grim and dark. Two large doormen were blocking the next set of doors. Thirty, the shorter one grunted at her before directing her towards a cashier's window. Fine, Jordana replied, just as she advanced towards the window. The other doorman called after her. Hold up. She turned to acknowledge him. No press, he said. Excuse me? He nodded at the lanyards around her neck. You a journalist? Yeah, so what? No press, no paparazzi, no journalists. He gestured towards the exit behind her. Um, what does it matter to you? It's a free country. Not tonight, it's not. Someone paid you to enforce that little rule tonight, have they? The doorman shook his head, pointing to a sign just above it which read, We reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. I have an interview with the band inside. They'll be expecting me. The doorman laughed. I doubt that very much. Jordana held his gaze. Why don't you check with them?
No paparazzi, no journalists, no exceptions. Look at my passes. I'm not some freelancer trying to make a quick book. I had an interview scheduled with your clients in there. Ask them. I don't care about any of that shit around your neck. And all the clients are here for one thing only. No one in there is looking to be hassled. Listen here, big guy. I know you think you're something special, but your bullshit bullying tactics won't work on me. I'll pay the entrance fee and you'll be a good boy and do what you paid for. Opening the damn door. The doorman laughed, then leant in close, lowering his voice. Get the fuck out before I drag you out. You lay a fat finger on me and I'll mace you, Jordana bluffed. The closest thing she had in her bag was a travel-sized antiperspirant. The doorman shook his head. Darnell, get the door. With this, he stepped forward and made a pincer move on Jordana's arms, pressing them to her sides. He started walking her backwards towards the entrance. She stumbled back a few steps and screamed, Get off me! Every ounce of resistance she attempted to apply was resoundingly annulled. Get your goddamn hands off me! Within seconds, they were out on the street. You take one step back inside and I won't be so gentle, the doorman muttered in her ear. Jordana flailed as he released her arms. He reactively stepped back and laughed before returning inside. Somewhat out of breath, Jordana paced back and forth for a few seconds and cursed. For the briefest of instances, she contemplated heading back into the club, but soon thought better of it. Fuck! she screamed. She unlocked her phone and opened her taxi application. Now was the time to either admit defeat, to head back to a hotel for a measly few hours sleep before her flight, or to head back to the arena and wait. Val had told her the tour bus wouldn't be departing until tomorrow morning. She'd made up her mind within seconds. What's productive about sleeping, she thought, further reflecting that she'd have time to sleep on the plane. This option was a risky one. There was no telling what time the band would return to their tour bus, nor what state they'd be in. But Jordana despised missed opportunities. Worst case scenario, I'll get a cab straight to the airport and send for my belongings later. She nodded to herself reassuringly and entered the address of the arena into the taxi application. No lifts available at present, the message flashed up, and Jordana frowned. She'd never known this to happen before. She re-entered the address and it returned the same result. The taxi driver had said it was a bad part of town. Were all the cabs avoiding it? Several minutes and at least a dozen more attempts did not improve the situation. Now what, she thought to herself. She scanned the high street. This truly was a seedy area. The only building with its lights on was the strip club she'd been ejected from. And she was hardly going to ask them to call her a cab. Her only other option was googling a local firm. She opened her internet browser. Seconds after doing so, she heard the footsteps of someone fast approaching. Ignoring it, she opened the website of a local taxi company. Hand it over, came the sound of a quiet, unhurried voice. Jordana looked up, taken aback by a gaunt young man and his uncomfortable proximity to her. You've got to be kidding me, she thought. I don't have any money. Your bag... The phone. Hand them over. Listen, guy. No, you listen, the man interrupted. 
He calmly removed something from his coat pocket. A quick flick of the wrist and the shrill glide of metal revealed a glimmering blade, perhaps five inches in length. Give me your bag. Give me your phone. Okay, okay, take it easy. She scrambled for a wallet and opened it. I have about sixty dollars. You can have it. Just let me keep the rest. Bitch, you want to die tonight? She attempted to stay calm. Look, my passport is in my bag and my life is on this phone. You can have everything else. Please, just let me keep... Jordana squealed and leapt back, silenced by the man jerking forward with the knife. His eyes were wide and rabid, almost hollow, but charged with a terrifying volatility. Okay, take it, she yelped, holding out the phone, which was immediately snatched. She went to slip off her satchel, but he already had his filthy hands on the bottom of it. As he tore this loose, he thrust forward with his shoulder, knocking her to the ground. She landed hard on her backside and watched as he quickly marched away. He didn't even have the good grace to run. She took a few controlled breaths, slapped both hands over her eyes and slowly slid them to her chin, smearing mascara down her cheeks. She did not cry, and the intense rage she felt was subdued by a sense of relief and clarity. It was over. She was alive. Those manic eyes, she thought. The desperation in them. He wasn't bluffing. He really would have stabbed me. She'd still have been parted of her possessions, but no doubt curled up in a pool of her own blood. She shook her head and couldn't stop the sardonic smirk from appearing on her face. She'd thought she was screwed a moment ago, trust a potential knife attack to so succinctly put things into perspective. Her survival instincts were now kicking in. She had to get out of this godforsaken area and find her way to safety. The taxi driver had warned her about the area. If she'd taken his misgivings seriously, she might have been less antagonistic in the strip club. Perhaps she'd have summoned the politeness to ask them to call her a cab. No, she thought with bitter consolation. She'd have sooner accepted the stabbing. Even now, returning inside seemed an unlikely recourse to assistance, and her mind frantically searched for alternative options. Fortuitously, a word popped into her head. Coach. This name often materialised in times of dire need, and it was prominent now by virtue of it being the only phone number she knew off by heart. Almost equally fortunate, she spotted a payphone. She hurried towards it. Her surroundings seemed louder, somehow more vivid. Once inside the box, she made two glorious, almost miraculous observations. By all appearances, the phone was functioning and the information plastered behind the receiver was intact. The reverse charge number screamed out to her. Without a second's hesitation, she removed the handset and pummeled the digits into the keypad, followed by the number of her friend. After seven loud and unnerving long rings, they answered, Hello? Coach, she squealed. Coach, it's me, Jordana. Oh God, it's so good to hear your voice. Is everything okay? Yes, and no. I was just mugged, almost stabbed actually, in Chicago. He took my phone, my passport, all my money and cards. He had a knife. Are you injured? He did, and no, I'm all right. Good. What do you need from me? Calm and pragmatic as always, Jordana thought. Well, I've apparently managed to land myself in the most dangerous neighbourhood outside of the Middle East, so some transport out of here would be great. Where are you exactly, and where are you staying? 
Quicksand Exotic Dance, Chicago. But I'm at the payphone outside a gun store next door. I'm staying at the plaza. She gave the full address. One sec. There was a brief silence, no longer than 30 seconds or so. Okay, I've ordered you a cab. It says it'll be there in six minutes. Christ, you work fast. Thank you. I'll pay you back as soon as I can. Don't sweat it. Is there anything else you need? Well, I have a flight in, um... She looked at the small clock on the phone screen. Six and a half hours and no passport. I'm sorry. I don't think I can help much with that. Yeah, I figured, said Jordana with a warble of anxious amusement. You need to find the Canadian Embassy or Consulate and file a police report. I will. Okay, good luck with everything. Call me if you need anything else. Jordana didn't have the slightest urge to leave the sanctuary of the phone booth while she waited for a taxi to arrive. True to Coach's word, it appeared within a few minutes. She thought the sleek silver Mercedes looked familiar as it crawled along the curb. Then she recognised the driver. Billy! He flashed her a smile as she approached the passenger side door, but it faded when she reached the window. She hopped in the front passenger seat. My dear, what the hell happened since I dropped you off? Jordana suddenly realised what a state she must look. Her light blue jeans were filthy and she could feel the sticky smudge of makeup on her cheeks. She avoided the question, attempting to remain upbeat. Hello again, she said with a smile. What are the chances? Most drivers ignore pickups in this area. It's rife with carjackings. I was just about to clock off when I received the call. I had a feeling it might be you. Well, I'm glad you took it. So what happened? After asking him to politely make tracks, Jordan recounted the situation with the bouncer and her subsequent mugging at knife point, mentioning that she was now stranded without a passport. My dear, I told you to be careful. I don't let either of my daughters step within ten miles of this hole. Jordana nodded. I should have listened, she sighed. It's fine, I'm still in one piece. When Billy pulled up outside the plaza, he reached across and scrambled for something in his glove box. He produced a card. This is my number, he said. Give me a call at ten tomorrow morning and I'll take you to the embassy before I start my shift. On the house. No, I can't let you do that. I'll... That tip you gave me earlier, Billy interrupted. Let's not call it a tip. We'll call it a coupon instead for a fare to the embassy. He flinched in surprise as she hugged him goodbye. He chuckled, patting her on the shoulder. Without bothering to fix her makeup, Jordana marched straight to the bar when she entered the hotel. If any occasion called for a stiff drink, it was now. Scotch, please. Neat, she said to the bartender. And can I please use your phone? Jordana's resourceful nature reached peak levels of usefulness over the next few minutes after trying the head office number preceded by at least a dozen different extensions. She was finally connected to Rubin, a young intern sad and devoted enough to still be at the office at such a late hour, now a little after 11pm in Vancouver. She then convinced him to divulge her boss's work cell which she was certain he'd still be reachable on. Hello, came a gruff response. Skip, hi, it's Jordana. Lily, he exhaled in reply. For God's sake, do you know what time this is? This had better be an emergency. I think it falls close to that category, yeah. 
I was mugged about an hour ago, took my phone, podcam, all my cards and my passport. Shit. Yeah, I guess I'm not making it to Trinidad tomorrow. What the hell happened? Where were you? Downtown Chicago. You had a knife. I'm fine, by the way. Yeah, sorry. You're not hurt. She rubbed her shoulder. Just a couple of bruises. I take it you heard about our feature, the concert cancellation. I did. I was going to call you in the morning to see if we could still manage to get the podcast. Afraid not. Pricks bailed on that too, which is why I ended up where I did. I was going to try and record the piece in the club they went to. Mr O'Malley sighed. Lily, no one told you to do that. I had to try and salvage something from this nightmare. And look where that got you. How am I supposed to get another reporter to Trini at such short notice? Hmm. I just spoke to an intern who I imagine would bite your arm off at the opportunity. An intern? Her boss grunted. Are you serious? I need someone with balls, with experience. We can't afford another slip-up like the Chris fiasco. Why do you think I chose you? I'm flattered. Don't be, he snapped. Fine, give me his name and extension. He'd better be willing to do it. Rubin, 4213. Okay, I don't know how long it takes to sort out the mess you're in, but we're not putting you up at the plaza while you do it. Tomorrow, you're checking into the cheapest, most basic digs you can find. Fine, Jordana groaned. And you keep me updated, right? I'm going to call this bloody intern you're vouching for. You'd better pray he doesn't screw me over. I'll speak to you tomorrow. Okay, speak. The doubt tone cut across her before Jordana could finish. She turned to the bartender. Another scotch, please. Make it a large one. Jordana finished this drink, followed by another, and tried to take stock of her dilemma. Thankfully, all the data on her phone was backed up, but this did not help her now. She wanted more than anything to discuss her ordeal, to seek the comforting words of someone close to her. Namely, she wanted to speak to Edgar. It struck her as odd that the only number she knew off by heart was coaches. With the kind of wealth and authority at Edgar's disposal, he'd be able to provide her with more than just a reassuring chat, but any means of contacting him eluded her now. That night, Jordana dreamt she was at an extravagant cocktail party. The only attendees she knew were Edgar and her father. No matter how many times she tried to grab their attention, though, they couldn't hear her, or Jordana screamed and yelled, startling everyone else in the vicinity, but somehow she remained completely invisible to them both. Edgar! she shouted. Dad! When she awoke, Jordana found herself uttering his name. Edgar, she mumbled feebly. If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode.